Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm the Joker. And on today's episode, we talk about her, her, and likely other things. I'm the Joker. Okay, I, I hear you. you Welcome. See how I got these scars? Um, I like your version of the Joker. Yeah. You're definitely a top three Joker. Wow. Who did I beat out? Mark Hamill, Heath Ledger, or Cesar Romero? Or Jack Nicholson? Josh, there's so many. Okay, well, I thought you were <laughs> Heath Ledger. No, I'm just pulling from him. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't know the iconic lines of Jack Nicholson. No. All I can think about is that scene where he says, play the music, and then it's like, boom, boom, and then he destroys the museum. Like, when I think about Jack Nicholson's Joker, that's all I can think about. You don't just about. walk to him and be like, do you want to ride with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> that's what he says when he, like, kills a child, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then right after it, like, Bruce Wayne's like, what are... What? And he's like, it doesn't make sense, but I say it anyway. I'm like, oh, cool. You're, you're the Joker. Good job, buddy. <laughs> you know what people are, like, saying now? Like, what? how Batman's a bad guy because instead of, like, creating, like, programs to help Gotham, he goes and fights crime. And I'm like, yeah, he does that. But, like, according to the comic books in the animated series, huh. he does both. Also, he's a vigilante. Like there is, there is room in this conversation for Batman to be like, "Oh, maybe, maybe you're not doing the right thing." And you know what? Batman has enough of to actually consider on these questions, morals, ethics, things along those lines. Like he considers these questions often. Mm-hmm. He just sits in his Batcave and he goes, "Alfred, should I just give it all up? And Alfred, like, should I have a Robin?" Alfred, should I keep doing this? Alfred, should I kill the Joker? Alfred, uh, Batman, I've made you a new cowl. Here you go. What would no, you like to do with it? That's not Alfred. That's Fox. Oh, sorry. That's who? Fox. Oh, Lucius Fox. Yes. So sorry. So sorry. Um, Mr. Wayne. I I've made brought- you some tea. <laughs> I've brought you your Batmobile you know and your card for the McDonald's run. Do you know what? Ah. That's a terrible movie you need to rewatch so that your soul can get crushed. Uh, three? <laughs> three. Four, though, huh? Three? Um, isn't three the one where he says, I'll get drive through? Isn't that four? I think it's three. Because oh, in four, it? he has Robin with him. And so he wouldn't. Oh. Yeah. So they go to the play place. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> Robin's just climbing in the ball pit. Robin, this 21-year-old orphan that he had to adopt. Yeah, but imagine just Chris O'Donnell <laughs> uh-huh. in a ball pit, like, zooming down the plastic tunnel. Like... I can't, I can't. <laughs> um, what else? What else is <sighs> dumb about the Batman films? Everything. The Batman films are great. Yeah. Good times. I like three of them. I'm scared of one of them. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Batman Returns. Oh, that's a good one, though. The penguin freaks me out. Yeah, he's got his hands. Man, Dan and Vito getting lots he of love. He chews off a person's nose. <laughs> he really does. Like... Like... Josh, hot take. 
Yeah. When we were deciding to do this episode, I almost picked a film that you didn't like, but oh. I unabashedly love. Which is? Gladiator. I would have been okay <laughs> with that, too. Yeah. Josh, I just love that film. I don't know, Josh. It's just—it's so much fun. And see, it's my favorite sword well, sandals. That's a little bit why when we were making our shift of this episode, I was like, well... Should we just rank some Joaquin performances? Oh, that, I would have had to do so much work, Josh. <laughs> For an actor who I like, I have seen so little of Joaquin Phoenix's filmography. Let's see. Before, when we were changing, here's what I had seen. You were never really here. Uh-huh. Gladiator. Uh-huh. Actually, I've probably seen quite a bit. We'll, we'll get there. Inherent Vice. Signs. The Sisters Brothers. The village. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Oh, parenthood. <laughs> oh yeah, he's in parenthood. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not really walking at that point. He's Leaf. <laughs> That's all I've seen. Oh, it's not too bad. It's eight. It's eight. not bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, the big one that I'm missing before this was her mm-hmm. and the master. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And of course, Brother Bear. Well, I think if you haven't seen Walk the Line, you're missing. Walk oh, the line. sorry, Walk the Line. Yeah. My bad. Like, My bad, everyone. For being a standard biopic, Walk the Line's pretty good. I haven't seen either of his James Gray's. Gray's. Um, when I was homesick yesterday, uh-huh. um, I started the first. Uh, I started Wheel in the Night because it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. I got like 20 minutes in. Uh, and I, then I just was, I was not feeling well, so I fell asleep. Um, I will say, weirdly enough, on that one, it's just a weird, like, putting a, a square peg in a round hole situation with Joaquin. Sorry, my phone's buzzing because I have a bunch of films at the library, because I'm going to beat you this year. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and I'm really sad about it. I mean, I'm only beating you by two right now. I know. Like, but I got I to gotta get on it, man. I got to... <laughs> Gotta go sit through Judy. I almost went to that yesterday, and then I thought, I should probably finish Magnolia. You didn't just watch that in one glorious sitting? It's hard to judge. (laughs) Alright. I was not prepared for how long that film was. Uh, Kylie, let's take a moment, and how did we get to her? How did we get to this is the film that we are going to talk about today? Okay. I got it. Okay. Huh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at future endeavors and it says 21st, 21st century women, the sequel? 22nd <laughs> century women? 20. Oh, that's the name of your sequel. Okay, so Josh went and saw the Joker and he didn't like it. He said, we don't have to do the Joker. And so then I was like, well, what can we do? You don't have time this weekend. Your life is... Spiraling, spiraling out of control. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My body literally was like, I think you need to be sick for about 12 hours to get some rest. And so then, you didn't name Brother Bear when we were talking about the Joaquin films that you own. I did not name that movie because <laughs> I just named the ones that I owned that I wanted to watch. <laughs> wow, you were willing to watch Gladiator over Brother Bear? I was. Wow. Uh, for the only sole purpose of, like, what the heck are we going to say about Brother Bear? I don't know. We can talk about, like, how it's weird. They're going to make a live-action version. Do you think uh, Joaquin will star in that, too? 
No. Here's oh, okay. why. Here's why. Here's okay. why. Okay. Yeah. One. Disney is now, in the past they have tried, but is now like, no, no, let's cast people who match the races of the characters, the races and ethnicities. Uh, of uh, the people that we're making, because now we're going to see them. Yeah. And so, like, we should do... Like, when it was behind a, an animated bear, like, they're a little more shifty with it. They're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, but now they're like, oh, they're actually going to, like, look and see these people. So, like, oh. do, do you think somebody was just like, do you think we can use a filter? And then somebody else was like, no, stop it. Go away, you're fired. A filter, like a filter over a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's wrong to do other things. Yeah, it's wrong to do that too, everybody. Wait, is something happening? What? No, I <laughs> okay, just, okay, I, not not in recent times. I thought you were like making like, oh, you know what Warner Brothers is doing. <laughs> uh, what isn't Warner Brothers doing? I saw the trailer for Birds of Prey. Oh, I did and not. I don't know who the. That's weird. It should have played in front of the Joker. It that would have. That would have yeah. been the smart thing. It to would. Do. You are correct. Yep. Why aren't I in charge of this marketing <laughs> ordeal? Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I know that Harley Quinn is in it. Uh huh. I don't know anything else. Oh, Ewan McGregor's in it. What? Ewan? Yeah, he's the villain. So he plays a good guy. He plays a worse person oh, okay. than Margot Robbie. My my estimation was just like, oh yeah, the team of villains. He seems like so... he's playing a creeper. Does he? Do you think he works for Viola Davis? No. I... You know who I don't know is in it? I don't know the other Birds of Prey. Now I can make speculations based on I know the comic book, kind of. Do you know the actors? Rosario Dawson may be one of them. Okay. Nope. I don't know anyone else. I got a flash of a Rosario Dawson in a trailer before uh, Joker. Yeah. She's in Zombieland 2. Double tap. Oh, yeah. She, like... Is she, like, the one threatening to kill... No, like, literally it's, like, one shot and, like, a car window's rolled down and you're like, Rosario! And then it goes away. They're like, she's in this movie. Okay. Pretty sure it's love interest for Woody Harrelson. He gets threatened by someone in one trailer, but I only saw that trailer once. Yeah. It's not like the Uncut Gems trailer, which I've watched. I watched for about 20 minutes on Friday. Like, just, I kept... So I knew a little bit about Uncut Gems. Because so... I brought it up and I said, Josh, what if I told you the sad Taffy brothers made a movie? With a one Mr. Adam Sandler. But what I wasn't... So, like, I was there. I was like, okay, Adam Sandler's gonna try again. We're, we're coming we're coming back 20 years. And Every sh- 20 years, he's gonna try. I showed you a picture and yeah. he was bleeding. Okay. But what I wasn't It's been 14 for, years. Punch Struck Love was, like, 2005. Oh, so sorry. Yes. I think. <clears throat> I think you're right. I think 2004 or 5 is right. So, yeah. Um, But what I wasn't prepared for... Was that he was going to... 2002. Two. Okay. I'm going to take it back. All right. There you go. What I wasn't prepared for is like all of a sudden like, oh, Idina Menzel's here? Wait a minute. What's happening? She's going to not sing? Hang on. We let her do this? We let her prove that she can act? All right. I'm on board. Let's go. 
Is Punch Drunk Love the most popular Adam Sandler film on Letterboxd? Yes. We're a very specific people on Letterboxd. We are. You know what? You know what's the hardest thing for me to reckon with? <clears throat> what? That click is above Hotel Transylvania. Well, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay, here are some things that click is above on the popularity on uh, on Letterboxd. Uh, the Hotel Transylvania, sure. Happy Gilmore. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Wedding Singer. That's that's really far down, everybody. Big Daddy. Uh, Big Daddy's too far down. I'm done. Yep. Yeah. This is a list of. He's in so many things. Well, in a lot of these things, he's just there for a minute. Like, I mean, like, can we really count this? Because he just plays the bongos in a scene. <laughs> but what a scene where Adam Sandler is playing the bongos. It's pretty, it's a good it's pretty scene. funny. Good scene, yeah. I just, I just like Adam Sandler, okay? I miss good <laughs> Sandler. Because there is good comedy Sandler, and I just, I miss it. I want him to try again. I know, is this film going to go into theaters? Uncut Gems? Yeah. Yeah. A24. We're not just going to Netflix? Yeah. Everyone, not since Hotel Transylvania 3 has Adam Sandler been in a film in theaters. And before that, it was Hotel Transylvania 2. Yeah, because he went from an exclusive deal with Sony to an exclusive deal with Netflix. I, and you know what? He probably made lots of money. He made all the money. And so now, maybe he's like, well, I don't need this much money. If there was, if there was an article that came out and it was like, Adam Sandler, richest man in Hollywood, I'd be like, yeah, makes sense. Not sure how he beat Robert Downey Jr., but okay, fair enough. Um, but you so. see how he beats The Rock? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Netflix. Netflix. Because, <laughs> like, Adam Sandler doesn't have to try and he can make three movies a year. The Rock has to, like, put his body on the line and, like, do things. Adam Sandler has to dress in drag. Where is Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation? It's down. Wow. It's right there. It's by the water boy. Oh. You know what? I'll say he puts some little effort into these films. That's all I can ask. So I started my Hotel Transylvania class again this year um, for October. Right. And, uh, you know, I just have fun playing Drac. Man, I get, I get, I get his good time with this role. Like, blah, 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 blah. it's so funny because you say it, and the kids are like, "You said it," and then you're like, "No, I didn't." And they're like, "Yes, you did. You just said it." And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about. I don't say it." What's Ben Stiller doing? Wow, I just like. <laughs> Kylie, we have a thing to talk about. Hang on, hang on. Okay, um, so I saw the Joker. Um, <laughs> Which is where we should, not should be, but where, where this is going to start. Whoa! Madagascar um, 4, 2020. Oh, gosh. Gotta keep David Schwimmer in, in line. I like this here poster. Because we suddenly just have Shere Khan from the Jungle Book. Just like live a action. real live action lion is going to, do they come out of the Oh, there's the, there's the, there's the Chippets. They're there. And Chippets right there. There's the guy from Nick Zootopia. From Zootopia? Alright, I'm on board. I don't think this movie's real. I I'm think it just is. gonna how did this get out? Like <laughs> Letterboxd, your standards are very low. Friends, if you wanna see what poster we're talking about, uh, head over to Letterboxd and look up Madagascar 4. Man, that comes out next year, and I've heard nothing about this giant cross-promotional marketing scheme. <laughs> we're th- they're gonna bring everyone together. Yeah. 
Okay, Josh, so you saw the Joker. Okay, I saw the Joker. I uh, did not enjoy the experience of watching the film. And uh, there was also a couple of, like, trigger warning things in there that I was like, I don't know if Kylie should watch this film in public. Um, (laughs) Will I cry? I, I, I think there are a couple of very intense scenes that you might want to just take a break from or maybe not finish the movie. Leave? Uh, yes. And so I just didn't want to put you in a situation to where you were forced to stick through the movie. Um, and so, so. So the text that I sent to Kylie was, there is some 13 reasons why level of unhealthy visual graphic things in this. And I still think that's true. While it's not in dealing necessarily specifically with suicide, um, there is some pretty graphic violence in this film. So I show up to the four o'clock showing on Thursday because that's the time that I have to see this movie. Not because I was like, yeah, Joker, That's let's go. because we no longer do. So here are some things that are true. Okay. There was maybe 15 people in my screening. Uh-huh. There was also a... Officer outside the movie theater. Just standing guard. Oh man, we used to do that at my college town, but we don't do that. Um, And there were signs all over the movie theater that said that basically our AMC is treating Joker like an NC-17. And that nobody under 17 is probably going to get in to see the movie unless accompanied accompanied and approved by a parent. Um, so, they're taking it seriously. That's interesting. Yeah, and they're also like, this is not a superhero movie. Not a superhero movie. That's kind of like when I, I mean, like, who knew that the Joker was going to be the thing that combated this? But it was when I went and saw (laughs) Neighbors. And I had to show my ID to get my ticket. And then I had to show my ID to the ticket taker. And then I had to show my ID to the person standing outside the theater. And then I had to show my ID to the person next to me in the theater. <laughs> like, that was the only time I ever had to, like, triple show. Like, I have never shown my ID past the ticket taker. And I solemnly have to show my ID to the ticket taker. Last time was for the killing joke. I mean, listen, Zac Efron's abs are dangerous. <laughs> okay? Listen, they really are. I think it was all those De Niro references in that yeah. film. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so... I want to start, I just want to take a moment to like, okay, one of us saw Joker, should probably talk about it for a hot second. Here is the things that I liked about the movie. It is actually a well-made movie. I cannot put, uh, I cannot consciously sit here and say that Joker is a bad quote-unquote movie. It is not Suicide Squad or Green Lantern or any of the like, lesser films. It is an unhealthy movie. And that is where my issues come in with it. Um, I think that Todd Phillips, the director of The Hangover and Old School. War and Yes, he's kind of transitioned a little bit away from those like comedies into some other things. I think he's trying to 
say something, but I don't think he's a sophisticated enough filmmaker to pull off the message that he wants to pull off. I don't think that he has as much commentary on society as he wants to say he has. Secondarily, I think he's more talking about the wealth disparity in our society right now than he actually is the toxic masculine incel culture that he's glorifying. This is a similar issue to what I will eventually talk about with Fight Club and that David Fincher has a point of view on capitalism, but he doesn't give two shakes about toxic masculinity. Um, yeah, I remember we had this conversation about Fight Club years ago when we did an episode called 10 Films That You Hate That Others Love, and I was uh-huh. like, oh, I hate Fight Club! And you were like, okay there. <laughs> And I remember you were like, yeah, it's about toxic masculinity. I was like, no, that film's about capitalism. Yeah, I've I've watched Fight Club (laughs) recently. I know. Who have some opinions that are better. Um, It's okay, Josh. We don't behold you to the things that you've said. Fair. I think Joker ends up being a movie about a disenchanted white man who turns to guns and violence as his form of um, sanctuary from the society who puts him aside and receives a manner of redemption and catharsis throughout this movie. And that is the unhealthy thing. Now, I don't want to say that I think movies in general will cause things to happen. And I also like cause bad violent things to happen. Because it's our jobs as humans, adults, what have you, in order to distinguish the difference between fantasy and reality and to see that one of them is fantasy and mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that we should follow that. Like I like Josh loves Harry Potter, but he's never jumped off his roof with a broom. True story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Though I did think, of, think about it. Josh. I did not. I Josh, did not. Sorry. Josh, no time for you're bits. Missing no my time point. for bits. No time for bits. Sorry. Um, so, I don't. I, yeah, what Kyla said is totally true. It is up to the audience to be discerning. What I do worry about is this film, and I, I really appreciate that RAMC is like, no one under 17 is seeing this movie unless explicitly accompanied by a parent in the hopes that the parent will have the conversation with the child. Because this movie, I think, to a certain section of folks in this in this world, and that can be to, I will specifically say, to the like lonely, alienated men who are feeling the world is passing them by and who are feeling that the world is going out of their control, this movie can be another brick in the wall of their, like, yeah, alt-right, like, power men. And it's just unhealthy to present it in this form. The Joker as a character, I think, works best in conversation with Bruce Wayne. 
I don't believe the Joker should have his own standalone story where he is the protagonist to where we're trying to gain and feel sympathy and empathy for this character. Now, that's not saying that we can't have sympathy and empathy for him, but at the end of the day, the Joker's actions are quote-unquote villainous. And that it is our choices, Harry, and what you choose to do with them. And it is our choices as a society how we choose to help or not help people either. And I get that there's a tiny bit of that in here as well, but there's not enough. And the film comes to a climactic moment that is essentially, and I'm being kind of vague just to avoid spoilers, but that is essentially the rise of the Joker. So that is my issues with Joker. And I definitely... I, 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 I don't like this movie. I think it is overall a net bad in the world. Um, but that being said, if you want to engage with this movie, I ask you to do it in the most cautious and the most like level-headed space that you can. At the end of the day, Todd Phillips tries to make a Taxi Driver reboot um, that misses the point of Taxi Driver. Travis Bickle is not a hero. Mr. Pickle. Mr. Pickle, yes. Uh, and neither should the Joker be. Wow. And I think that is kind of where my brain falls on Joker. They're here ready to explain the ending to me. Oh, good. There it is. All right. Um, so, to transition a little bit back into how we get to her, I don't actually think that Joaquin Phoenix does a bad job. I actually think Joaquin Phoenix does a really good job in Joker. I think that he is portraying an interesting and flawed character. And I think if you asked Joaquin Phoenix what movie he was making and why he took the role and did what he did, it would be a different answer than if you asked Todd Phillips. Um, because I think that Joaquin Phoenix plays a really nuanced character in this Arthur Fleck who is the Joker. Um... And he does so in a way that that makes the end of the film feel really unearned because I don't think it's what Phoenix is working towards at all. Hey, hear me out. Yeah. Phoenix, good actor. Good actor. <laughs> can I can I tell you what my 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 hottest of not hottest? No days. wait, no. Yeah. no, no yes. Bradley not. Cooper is gonna win an Oscar for the Joker. It's gonna happen, everyone. He's a producer. He's gonna yes. get, he's gonna get Best Picture, and this is gonna be the thing that gets Bradley Cooper an Oscar. Just like Brad Pitt, he's only gonna have a producing one. <laughs> That's all he needs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Brad's just got like some masking tape over it? And he's just like Best Actor. For what film do you think he puts it? I just think he just keeps 12 Years a Slave. He's just like, <laughs> best act, supporting actor. <laughs> My scene was so good. <laughs> um, Joaquin Phoenix might be... Joaquin Phoenix is in the conversation for, I think, our greatest living actor. Yes. Hey, okay, let's name him. Him... Matt Damon. <laughs> oh, oh, you put the potato there? <laughs> You're like, I don't like potatoes, but he's good. Everyone just seems to love him. They keep giving him work. Jai Courtney. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> Sorry, Jai Courtney's not working anymore. You're right. Idris Elba. Idris Elba is in the new Suicide Squad. Replacing Will Smith. 
It just needs to make better choices. Yeah, America has not been kind to Idris. Yeah, no, Idris, go back to Britain. Yeah, we're gonna be Luther. Where you were respected. Yeah. Um, in in actual world of this, like, it's him, it's Joaquin. I would put Kate Blanchett in this conversation. Um, it's that guy who like can't just act. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> but he says he's retired. But okay. yes, yeah. Greatest living actor. Hmm. And for me, my qualifications are, is that, and so with Joaquin, what I think is really interesting and why I did this is because I watched Joker and her in Secession. And while I think that there are some similarities in these characters, I think that, like, his physical transformation as well as his just mental state of being, like, they're just so very different. And then if I think back to other Joaquin roles, like he just has this way where he has a type, he has a thing he likes to play, but the way he comes about it in this physical manner is really impressive and just really unique. Um, so yeah, I definitely would put him there. I mean, you could put, I would, you know, though I think she kind of she kind of coasted a little bit, I would put Meryl in this conversation. Um, because, like, the post, like, it's just proved that she's still doing some great work. Um, but yeah. I don't like this list of the 30 greatest living actors, because these people don't work anymore. I get the Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are in The Irishman, but, like, <laughs> Robert De Niro has also just been coasting most yeah. of his time. For the last decade plus. <laughs> uh, De Niro, I will say, is good in Joker. Like, I, I think- He's in Joker?! Yeah. Does he play Travis Bickle? Huh? No. Uh, he plays... That's the biggest disappointment ever. <laughs> he plays a talk show host. In Because it's clearly set in, like, <laughs> 70s New York. I'm like, this is supposed to be Gotham. What are you doing? Like, just make Taxi Driver. If you want to remake Taxi Driver, Todd Phillips, just do it. But don't. Actually, please. Lynn, Ram- Lynn Ramsey made, remade P- Taxi Driver, but we don't compare it to Taxi Driver very often because she did something unique with it. And she changed stuff. Yeah, it's She made called... it good. You were never really here. Yeah. Yeah. Another great Joaquin Phoenix movie. Great actor. Yeah. Hot take, great. Yeah. Oh, Tilda Swinton. Tilda. Tilda. Mm-hmm. So, like, because I think Philip Seymour Hoffman was in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I'm trying to think of that. Stellan Scar's card. There it is, yeah. <laughs> um, so I rewatched Being John Malkovich, and it was really weird to see like John Malkovich try. <laughs> it's like when I watched Burn After Reading, it was really weird to see him try. What weird <laughs> movie did Malkovich show up in this year? It was... He's it, he's the judge in the Ted Bundy film. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Right? All right I think so. Yeah. He's also in a thousand... Uh, <clears throat> he's in a lot of Netflix movies. <laughs> Netflix just has Malkovich like in a condo and they just let him out and to act and puts him back in. Oh. Isn't he in... Velvet Buzzsaw also? Oh, I can't speak to that. I never uh, saw it. Oh, you live a glorious life. I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um. Oh, he's in Bird Box, which is like... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, John, let's go to Netflix! Come on, buddy, here we go! I No, I was not being facetious when I said, oh, he's just... He just belongs there. So Bird Box, the ABC Murders, which I don't know what that is. Extremely Wicked, <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw, and he's in a film called Eve, 
which I don't know if it's come out yet, but Jessica Chastain and Colin Farrell are both in it. Is it a prequel or a sequel to Adam? Um, I don't think it's either. Oh, okay. It's a midquel. Common's also in it. Oh, Common, greatest oh. living actor. Common, <laughs> yes. Oh, Ludacris. Whoa. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry. Gina Davis is in this. I didn't right. know we allowed Gina Davis to work anymore. Yeah, like we gotta get her, gotta get her prime for the Stuart Little comeback. She's been in a lot of just small things. I mean, uh, she does have a good part in... Um, in a world? In a world, yeah. I love Gina Davis. She's not... Her career is pretty small, but... You know? She lives in our hearts forever. She burned bright for a good decade or so, and then kind of Cutthroat Island really took the wind out of her sails. Whoa, whoa. Stuart Little. No, I know, but, like, she kind of had to do that thing where, like, actors who were struggling in the 90s did, where they were like, hey, we gotta go to some family film and, like, coast for a bit and see how long we can make that work. <clears throat> Emilio. Um, Greatest living actor. Uh, yeah, there you go. Charlie isn't being John Malkovich. Yeah. Uh, he plays this character from Two and a Half Men, <laughs> which means he so plays he himself. Himself? Himself. <laughs> Just like kicking John Cryer to the table. Shut up! Make money! <laughs> Alright. Uh, Kylie, we have been talking for what? 40, 30 minutes? 45 minutes? At this like point? 47 okay, minutes. Great. We haven't got to the inquiry of the half fortnight yet. So, um. <laughs> Alright. Do you have one? Uh, my inquiry was going to be what is your favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance? Or a Joaquin Phoenix performance that you really like? I really like him in the village. Yeah? All right, you went there. <laughs> it's okay, cause mine is signs. Yeah. No, it's not Josh. You don't like that. I don't know. I, he, walking. What's 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 fun about Walking Phoenix? Oh, fun is that uh, his characters. Uh, like, when I'm thinking about all of his characters that he's played, there's so many differences between them, and that it's like he doesn't repeat. It's like he's a good actor. It's like he likes stretching himself <laughs> and challenging himself. I will say what I do note as a similarity in his characters is loneliness and longing. Mm -hmm. He does glom towards those characters, which I think is good. I think that, you know, like, he knows what he's great at playing. Something I was going to say earlier with Wheel in the Night in general was, um, it's weird because, at least for the first 20 minutes, he's playing this, like, playboy of, like, New York in the 80s. And, like, it's just a really weird look on him right now. And I'm excited to see where it's going. Because I'm like, I don't... When I, like, no offense, Joaquin, but when I look at you, I'm not like, ladies man, Joaquin Phoenix. No, I think that he and Mara probably have a very healthy and good relationship. Wait, he's dating Mara Rooney? They're, like, married. Dude. That's why they're in, like... Every movie together, except for they're not. They're in one? They're, no, they're in three. Yeah, I'll name them for you right now. Her, don't worry, he won't get far on foot, and Lady Mag Mary Magdalene. Great, there you go. He plays Jesus. I've seen exactly one of those. I know, he won't get far on foot is kind of a fun film. It's on Prime, I want to watch it. I saw it last year, so I could add it to my list. Yeah, well, I didn't get that far. I only got two of the Joaquins <laughs> last year. <laughs> Oh yeah, the sisters brothers. That yeah. film is boring. Yeah. Uh, so would you would you pick? I don't know. I, it's, it's probably. Gonna, uh, 
I like Gladiator. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> I, he's good in Gladiator. He is. Like, As this whiny, petulant child. So I haven't seen Joker, but Gladiator is one of his bigger performances uh-huh. where he's just like loud and obnoxious. And I like, would still say that like Gladiator tops Joker. <laughs> Joker is a weirdly interior performance, and that's what I think works about it. Oh, he's going to win an Oscar finally. No! He's not winning for Joker! We're not doing it! Wah, Oscar! All right, Wah. listen. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. If, if that happens... No offense, Joaquin. You deserve an Oscar, but not for that. If that happens, I quit the Oscars. I'm done. I'm just out. No more 4 a.m.s? No more 4 a.m.s. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> can I get that in blood? <laughs> um, Glad- Gladiator. He's great. He, like, goes... He's a creep. He's, he's He doesn't stretch too far from being a creep. But, like, as a villain against Maximus, played by Mr... Mummer. Yep, uh huh. What's his name? Mr. Mur- <laughs> oh, Russell Crowe. Oh, and Murmurs. Okay. <laughs> Against Russell Crowe, who Russell Crowe in that is like this big, like, bleh, burly of a guy. And uh-huh. then Joaquin Phoenix is this felt, like, super uh, slimy creature. And you're just like, oh, no, no, you're much scarier than this Russell Bright Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Brand? <laughs> Emma, are you not entertained? <laughs> no. I'm not. You're a bit old. I should. I'm gonna remake Gladiator, and it's gonna be Russell Brand. Can you please just do it though with clips from Get Into the Creek and Forgetting Sarah Marshall? No, really. Oh, okay. I'm gonna stretch his performance. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you know it's also from the big. Fat quiz. I'll go get clips from oh, yes, that. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. His friendship with uh, Noel... Coward? Not no, Noel Coward. Nope, <laughs> not Noel Coward. That's a playwright. Uh, Fielding. Noel Fielding? Oh, it's a beautiful friendship. It really is, yes. Noel Fielding will it's, play. It's my second favorite Noel Fielding friendship. <laughs> is, is his other one old Richard Ayati is, like, my favorite <laughs> no, human. You're right. Like... <laughs> I thought your other friendship would be, like, Howard Moon and old Greg. <laughs> No, it's Richard. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, have you seen the IT crowd? Yes. I lost my mind when he show- when Noel shows up on that show. He plays like a vampire, right? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm just, just throwing out he's a vampire. <laughs> he just hangs out in the closet. It's just great. Um, I weirdly... Okay, so there are many, many Joaquin performances that I enjoy. Um, and I, I think I came around to this within the last, like, year or so. That I was like, I just think Joaquin's a good actor. Crazy dude. Like, as a person, maybe not the most stable human that there's ever been. He has a frog in his um, hair. He's I got did, a frog in his hair. I did read an interview recently with him in um, Vanity Fair where he talks about his brother and the impact that had on him. And it, it was this really nice, intimate portrait of him that I'm like, he's just gone through so much that like you kind of understand why mid-career he had this weird breakdown where he's like i'm gonna make a weird documentary about i don't know life see like 
him and Keanu have just gone through a lot, and yeah. I really think they need each other to heal. I don't, I don't know if he's like in the like <laughs> nice Keanu bandwagon, but he's at least in the like they, some sympathy bandwagon. <laughs> no, they need each other to heal. It hasn't been since Parenthood have they collaborated. So what you're saying is that Matrix Four. <laughs> We're gonna bring Rick okay. I thought you were just kicking Alex Winter out. You're like, get out of here! This is the new Bill. No, I, I Joaquin can't be Bill. I'm just gonna say that. I need, I need an actor who's been punched down by film society. Yes. Is he the new Rufus? <laughs> I just want to see Joaquin doing a George Carlin impersonation now. Um. I like... Okay, my basic answer... This is like my two. Walk the line. Is walk the line. And you're never really here. I actually think that he's really great in Walk the Line. And I think he's really great in You Were Never Really Here as well. Both those solid performances. I'm going to stand for Inherent Vice. (gasps) Um, I really like Inherent Vice. It is a great little, like, neo-noir mystery film. And just... Joaquin is doing something so subtle and so funny. And it's just to watch Joaquin, who usually takes on this, like, ultra-serious kind of tone, just be this bumbling bonehead through this crime caper is pure fun. So you're saying he's the beach bum that we yes. wanted, but not <laughs> yes. the beach bum we Yeah, exactly. Solid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... I get it. Like, I'm I, the more and more I'm growing up, the more and more I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a PTA like shill. It's true. Maybe PTA is secretly actually in my top ten, and I need to fix this. Um, but I mean, I've only heard you ever say something negative about one of his films, The Master. Yeah, yeah. That's the only negative thing I've heard you ever say about PTA. Yeah, no, it's true. And um, <laughs> and you said Phantom Thread. That's an unhealthy relationship. But I like this film, and I yeah, was like, true story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, there we go. I mean... At this point, it's 8mm is the one that I need to catch up with. He... Or, sorry, Heart 8. Sorry. 8mm, I think, is a a Schumacher? It's a Nick Cage Schumacher film. Sorry. Heart 8, yeah. Um, there's a tweet I read yesterday that I really liked, and it was... It said, the film yesterday, but instead of forgetting about the Beatles, everyone forgets about Nicolas Cage, and so I go and remake all of his movies. And I was like, yes. <laughs> do this, David Ehrlich. Do this. It was not David Ehrlich. Oh, no, I know. It was that Kornfeld of the Try Guys. Okay, there we go. Uh, hey, friends, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half fortnight, which we're just getting to an hour in, uh, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. What's a good Joaquin-like quote? Like yell something. Uh, he, he goes like this, <laughs> and then he goes. <laughs> Isn't he like my sister or whatever? Like. Oh, what else does he do? Um, he was in that film. What's that film called? Josh? I walk the line. Josh, Josh, Josh. They gotta say something in signs, like oh, the tinfoil it protects us. <laughs> that helps us get more listeners. 
And now on with the rest of the show. Like, there's probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes left at most. Uh, what do but, I really have to say about her? I have some things to say about her, but yeah. I think we're gonna, it's gonna be, this is clearly one of those episodes where we're like, let's just talk and get to her eventually. Yeah. I only caught Brian Cox. Did you catch uh, Spike Jones? No. He plays the, the, the alien child who I hate. Oh, that child is yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I kind of agree with Joaquin. He's kind of endearing and you just kind of want to fix him. You're like, no, no, stop this. Stop this nonsense. It's too late. We should just kill him. And <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, who plays Amy Adams' uh, friend? Her husband? No, her, uh, her OS friend. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember it talking to us. Uh, it does in the scene. Oh no, maybe we don't hear her voice. Cause I, cause like, cause like I didn't hear any of the OS's voices, which is why I asked you. So like, is Scarlett Johansson's everyone's OS? No. Okay. Because but she's some people's OS. Uh, yeah. Okay. She's like an option. <laughs> you get, you get like Scarlett, Brian Cox, Bill Hader. Oh man, I would love to have Bill Hader as my OS. <laughs> Like real life, both Bill Hader, not as like a computer, but about, just like him to fix what, my life. What What about Barry? What if it's just Barry? No, <laughs> Josh Barry's not the best person. All right, uh, why did you pick her? I didn't. You did? <laughs> no, I was giving you an option of hers on Netflix. Oh, because that was the only one I could check, and then we were like, okay, her. Okay, great. I thought you threw it out there as, like, I would like to do her. Oh, no, because, like, you're, the thing was, like, we were listing Joaquin Phoenixes, and then, like, if there's anything streaming, and then I was like, oh, I know hers on Netflix. I don't know why I knew that, but right. I knew it was there. Yeah. I also think it's the only Joaquin movie on Netflix. It's the only one appropriate for Netflix. It is not. It is not appropriate. <laughs> Another movie I couldn't watch at work. Not safe for work. Yeah. But only, like, verbally is it not safe for work. Um, there's, like, an opening sex scene. Like, we start real hardcore into that. Is there? Was yeah. I not paying attention? Probably. What? It might be a virtual one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. The film opens with him writing a letter. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's, there's, the, there's the one where he has with Christian Wig. With the cat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't worry. All this cat talk gets cut. <laughs> oh, Kristen Wiig. That's an option. <laughs> no, she's a real person. Oh, she is a real person. Okay. I, I get confused. Um, okay. So her is 2013? Uh, yep. Great. It's the year of the Oscars in which The Hunt loses to a film that no one's heard about and shouldn't have won. Which is? I don't know. No one's heard of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Doesn't exist. All right. Um, the How Green Was My Valley of the Born International Wind. Film Category. Oh, yeah, that's what it's called now. I mean, we can call it the Foreign Language Film Category because that's what it was then. Moving forward, though. Yes. Um, I'm going to so try my hardest. Her mm-hmm. is a 2013 film starring Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, Amy Adams, and is directed by Spike Jones. Yeah, before I started the film, I was like, I was like, oh, is this is this a Spike Jones? Is there or is this a Charlie Kaufman? I can't differentiate between the two, and I realized that they're kind of the same person, but <laughs> and they work best <laughs> together together. Um, because I think that so 
of their collaborations, and I think there's three of them, I have seen two of them. Okay. Um, I've seen Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. I thought they had another one, but... I think those might be the two. I want to figure it out, Josh. Because Ben Jones doesn't actually have that many feature-length films. I know. I keep looking here, and I'm like, why isn't it here? Um, then it might have been that they they produce a lot together. Yeah, I think that's true. They work with that guy from Eternal Sunshine. Like, they produce him a lot. And... Michelle Gondry? Yeah. The director? Yeah. Yeah. Not Jim Carrey. <laughs> Um, they just seem like they're homies. They support each other. It's kind of like Bradley Cooper and Todd Phillips. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, I was like, wow. Her, her is, this is the first solo Spike Jones film that I've seen. Oh, okay, that you've seen. I was like, I think he did Where the Wild Things Are before this. Yeah, I have, yes. I have not seen that. That's a little bit of a mess. Yep, I've not... Don't think I've ever heard a, like, positive thing about it. Um, the puppetry is really cool, but that's about it. There's puppets? So, the <laughs> wild things are... They're puppets with CGI faces. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> How very Charlie Kaufman. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, Catherine Keener's in it, because he liked working with her. She's, like, in all of these. Wow. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, what's up? <laughs> I was just looking at how, like, her career was created because of Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. And then it wasn't until Get Out that we knew her name. Well, I mean, I know her name. As her society! Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I would say the 40-year-old virgin. That film was huge. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about her. Her. I like her. Um... I was interested this time through to watch it because I think I had a new take on it that I didn't see the first time. The first time through, I was like, yeah, what an interesting take on how we interact with our technology. Okay, cool. That is here. Was this time around how people who are very distant from other humans want relationships that are more... I don't know where I'm going with this sentence. But, like, he seemed... The, the, Theodore. Uh-huh. Teddy, as I might call him. Uh, you might be the only person. Seems like a person who wants to have all the good parts of the relationship and wants to avoid the bad... I mean, like, we all do. Yeah. And only wants to avoid the bad parts of the relationship to the point where the perfect relationship for, with him was a virtual one. Mm-hmm. And where... It was his computer, and in all, if all else fails, he had an easy way out. Yeah. Um, and so it was about how we struggle with our feelings and our commitments. And yeah, I think you're right with that. And I think that for me, and I may be giving Spike Jones a little bit too much credit here, but when I was looking at the film this time, Coming in 2013, which is after films like 500 Days of Summer and like Ruby Sparks and like all these other things where we have this like iconic like rise of the manic pixie dream girl. This girl who is literally 
coming out of your dreams and created just for your every woman pleasure. And she has all the good parts of the relationship, but the moment that she becomes a real person is the moment that you're like, man, this is too hard again for all the man boys. That I think fits the description of the relationship between Theodore and Samantha here as well. What I well, like... Well, and that's what Rooney Mara goes off on him. Yes. And there's not a lot of details into the relationship of Rooney Mara and his relationship, but it sounds like Rooney Mara was ba- was dealing with depression and uh, Joaquin Phoenix was like, this is too hard. Yeah, and I think that because of all of this, I actually think that Spike Jones is commenting on the man at Pixie Dream Girl. And I think that her is actually a reaction to that trope and pointing out its flaws and pointing out the flaws in the character of Theodore because of it. Because Theodore's arc in this film is he has to realize and overcome that A, he can't control what a woman is or does. And B, a woman is going to, or a person in general, is going to evolve and change over time. And you need to evolve and change over time with that person and accept who they are and not force them to stay the same thing. And Jones does this in creating this AI character of Samantha who is going to morph and change and evolve through the course of this film and evolve away from Phoenix himself. And it's in this way of, we start out with a very specific manic pixie dream girl type, I think in this movie, even though it's an OS, it's a voice, an operating system. Um, And then we move through this and we see him working and dealing and trying to like have the perfect relationship. But the more she changes, the more Rooney Mara shows change, the more he struggles until finally at the very end, he can accept that he needs to let her go because he can't accept her for who she is anymore. And I think that in my read of the film, the end of it, I always think that Amy Adams and Joaquin Phoenix are gonna like, they're gonna actually get together. Like that's the actual healthy relationship that we were building towards. And we were building towards him being able to accept her as a person. He couldn't do it with Rooney Mara because she was too picture perfect. We grew up together in my brain. And he can't do it with Samantha because she's literally a manifestation of his dreams. But he can do it with this person who he's known a long time and now gets to accept for who she is. It's already the healthy relationship that he's doing it with. So that's a little bit of what I took from her this time through that I actually think that the film is a little bit deeper than I wanted to give it credit for the first time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of what I was reading into it a little bit. What do you think of Olivia Wilde in this movie? You know, that's a weird scene. (laughs) Um, Olivia Wilde also... I think that Olivia Wilde also shows that it's not just men who may struggle with relationships, but also women. I think that that's the purpose of her. Um, because she's like, so are we going to see each other again? And then I, I, I watched the scene twice cause I was confused the first time. Okay. And I was like, I'll make sure I understand what's happening. Um, and he was like, 
well, I don't know. And like, his answers weren't as, like, weren't as, like, fakey as I made it sound like. And then she was like, because I don't have time <laughs> if yeah. you're not going to make a commitment right now. Yeah. I don't have time to waste. And he was like, um, I, I don't, I gotta go to work. And she's just like, <laughs> ah! Okay, she's not that extreme, but she does, yeah. like... But that is the ultimatum she puts forth. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, like, it, 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 I think that it also shows... I think that it shows, an, it, like, that women also can have... Uh, can also struggle with um, commitment. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character struggles with, hey... I don't know if I want to be in this committed relationship and like be a real person. Um, yeah. Her struggle with commitment is I, I need commitment now before yeah. anything has truly been established. Yeah. And I think it was a scene that I thought was odd, but I think that's its purpose. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, it, that scene always feels really jarring to me. Mm-hmm. Like always. The two times I've seen this film. Because Theodore, Theodore doesn't... It gives pretty pretty normal human answers. Yeah. And Olivia Wilde does not take that well. Well, yeah. And I, I like that she seems to be struggling for... She really wants this committed human connection in this world that is becoming, as the film is showing, more and more not about committed human connection. And I like that it comes around to being about human connection again by the end of the film, but I think she represents a lot of that struggle there as well. I don't the performance is, is fine. It's just a, I think it's a strangely written, it's a really jarring character for the movie. Um Chris Pratt's here for some reason, doing his thing, I guess. Not really like that big of a part of this movie. Yeah. Um Amy Adams? Thoughts on Amy Adams' character and her relationship with her weirdo boyfriend? Husband? Husband. Because she's getting a divorce. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was going to say, like, Amy Adams' performance is also weird, but, like, this is this is a weird film. It is. And so, like, maybe it fits. Um, it, 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 it was a different Amy Adams than what I'm used to seeing. This is, She was a little bit... She was a lot more meekish than, like, yeah. Amy Adams plays some meekish characters, but, like, this was, like, very meekish, yeah. and, like, it was, it was a lot more withdrawn, like, it was a lot less... <laughs> it was a lot smaller than she usually is. Yes, yeah. um... I don't like it was it was an odd character and I don't think I truly understand the character right now I think I agree with that um outside of I'm gonna say something outside of uh Joaquin Phoenix I struggle with a lot of these folks yeah there that that was literally what where <laughs> okay. I was going with that too is that outside of his character I, there's not a lot of complexity mm-hmm. in this film there is complexity with his relationships towards others, but not with the others themselves. Um, I think, like, Rooney Mara's scene is probably one of the better scenes. Yeah. Um, I, un- I understand her motivations and why she says the things she does and uh, her characterization. Is this where they met? I hope this is where they I met. I think it's where they met. Oh they were like, let's that's, fight and then get married. That's so adorable. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one thing where, because you start this film, at least I do, and I'm like, why did they get a divorce? Like, sure, he seems like he's a little, like, aloof and maybe, like, too into, like, 
I don't know, other things. But like, and then once you finally get to this scene and you hear her point of view, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I get he's too caught up on the past. He's too there. Um, can I tell you the person who I have the most sympathy for in this entire movie? That waitress. Like, she comes up and she's like, can I get you anything? And they start yelling at each other. And she's standing there. And she's like, I'll come back later. Like, you're like, oh, you just, you have to stand there while they yell at each other. It's not good. The character. Um, go ahead. I want to, uh, Patricia Dubladay. Double day? Double du- day? Double day? Is it D-O-U-B-L-E-D-A-Y? Yeah, it's literally double day, but I didn't think that that was actually a name. Double day! <laughs> uh, most realistic crying I've ever... Who is Patricia in this film? Is she the She's surrogate? She's the surrogate, yeah. Okay. When she right. just starts, like, crying, I was like, wow. Like, I cry like that, too. Yeah. There's that's also a strange character. Like she's like, I just wanted to be in your relationship. I'm like, get, get your own. Like, Josh, it's like the scene in Blade Runner 2049. It's also very odd. Yes, yeah. Um, I I I, I sent you a text because I watched two Spike Jones movies in a row. Uh huh. And I said one of them was missing an important element. Yeah. And I think that I think. I think that Charlie, the relation, the not the relationship, the unionization of partnership, <laughs> partnership. collaboration is the word. I was hey, we got there. I needed more time um, between Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. I think is a very interesting one and yeah. a very good one with adaptation and with being John Malkovich, where they their oddities balance each other out. Yeah. Um, I said because I said to you I think that I think that um, Charlie Kaufman is as close as we're gonna get to a Kurt Vonnegut just the way that he looks at this world and the way that he satirizes and plays with the ideas um, and her feels like it wants to be a wants to play in a world of Charlie Kaufman and of Kurt Vonnegut but it kind of weaves in and out and a lot of these characters are the issue of why it weaves in and out because they never they almost all fit in the world but they don't quite wrap it all together as for me as a whole mm -hmm. i think it kind of not like amazingly satisfactory but it comes together you know, it it does work as a piece, as a commentary on, like I said, the relationships, Manic Pixie Dream Girls, and technology, and our relationship with technology. But when I'm starting to take it apart to its pieces, I'm like, oh, this isn't as well-formed as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Taco Bell of movies. Because when you're eating it, you're like, oh, God, Taco Bell. Like, my life is great. Here we go. I'm eating Taco Bell. This decision probably isn't the best decision I've ever made in my life. I could do other things. But, like, I have Taco Bell. But then, like, if you open it up and you're like, what? That meat is... Orange. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then there's... Le- I, I don't... Okay, this is weird. I don't know if I should eat this anymore. Let's just put it aside. Did you get food poisoning from Taco Bell? No, I think I got it from Applebee's. Oh... Uh... Don't go to Applebee's. Don't go to Millennials killing it now. Hashtag. I think we're going to have to go to Red Robin from now on. There you go. Red Robin. Yum. Is it? No. Maybe? Sometimes. Clucks and fries. They're okay. 
yes. I like their Caesar wrap. Oh, mm. I've never had their Caesar wrap. Um, where was I going with all of this? Yeah, I just, I think... I agree, Josh. Uh, all right. I don't have much else to say about her. I, I want to uh, talk about Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, we haven't done that. Because you... When we did the when we did the voice performances, you put her on there, and I've been thinking about it for three years since. Okay. And when I watched this film, uh-huh. I thought, wow, there are real moments where she's really great. Yeah. And then there are other moments where I was like, I don't know, is Samantha faking it? And that's why I asked you, so is she like everyone's girlfriend? <laughs> and that answer is... Yes. Sorry, no, that answer is 681 other people's girlfriends. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, there, there were moments, there were just moments, and I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the intention of the film, or if it's the performance, or it's just me as a person not <laughs> trusting robots. All of it. It's all of it. But there are sometimes she gives answers that feel like someone is trying to hide something, mm-hmm. and like... I wasn't sure which part it where which part it was. I I think for me her vocal performance is one of the standout elements of this film because it I feel her presence in the film. It, this feels to me like a Joaquin Phoenix Scarlett Johansson movie, and she's not in it. Um, and so. I really appreciate some of those choices that she does make mm-hmm. that do give that character that little bit levels of nuance in sense of we don't, as the film goes on, we don't know when Samantha is telling the truth. We don't know when she's hiding something. Samantha has so much control over this relationship um, and yet we think we know because like she's the machine, she's in charge. It was funny because I watched this film very close to watching The Matrix. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, and sentient AI comes back to take over the world, and then we have all these sentient AIs coming together and leaving to a higher plane? I was like, Matrix prequel, Matrix prequel. But there's none of that in this film, um, which is a little bit of a problem, but not a big problem. Literally the problem? To back to Scarlett Johansson. My favorite scene of hers in this movie is there's a scene where Joaquin Phoenix is like unnecessarily mad at her for sounding like she's breathing. And I'm like, oh gosh, how dare she do this? And he's like, you can't breathe, you're a robot. I'm like, okay, calm down, Theodore. Um, But her performance there, because you can really tell like it's just this grasp that she's trying to do of like her voice and she's trying to manipulate it to the point where she starts out having a lot of breath in there and then she's trying to take it away. And it's just, it's all this thing that you can do with your voice and how you can play with that tool as an actor. Um, I also think that there's a real arc to her character and you feel that arc um, in just the way that she's speaking and the words choices that she's given and how she's saying them and all kinds of those things. So yeah, I think she does a great job. I would still put her probably uh, near the top of my vocal performances list. I think even at the time, I was like, we should give her an Oscar nom for this movie. Whoa. Well, me and David Sims are on the same wavelength. Does he have it like right? He's a below man of steel. 
No, no. No, no. Before which hobbit? Which stupid hobbit? Uh, Desolation of Smell. Oh, that's wrong. That is wrong, David. That is... What? Fruitvale? <laughs> what is ha- Oh, he's right. This is- the, the, the Escape from Tomorrow is terrible. Fruitvale? Fr- David. David Bartholomew Sims. What in the ever-loving crud? Man of steel. <sighs> oh, Spectacular. That was a good one. It's too low, though. What's he got up there? What's in his top ten for this year? The Wind Rises. Inside Lewin Davis. Swallowers a Slave. Wolf of Wall Street, Francis Ha. All right, all right, okay, well, okay. Well, there's some. No, Josh, Josh. This is where you need to freak out. The counselor? Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, the counselor is 10? No, David. David, what are you doing? David Sims, how can you do it? That is one of the worst films ever made. Like, period, end of story. It is god awful. You have that at 10 and you have Fruitvale in your bottom 10? What is your brain, David Sims? I am going to the Atlantic right now to have a stern conversation with you. <sighs> hey, the, uh, Conjuring's number 32. That's pretty good. That seems pretty okay. <laughs> Man, and I was just starting to be like, uh, Griffin, he can be annoying sometimes. <laughs> Nope, pack on Griffin's side. What about Ben? <laughs> I like Ben, but I don't want to hang out with Have Ben. Have you heard The Great Adventures? I have heard Great Adventures and um, Atlantic City, yes. They're great. I will say, I've gone back and I like when like, Ben has this freak out like you just did. Like, <laughs> I put on Joker makeup for that. Me, I'm an adult. <laughs> Alright, friends, this has been a nearly probably hour and a half long episode. Maybe two hours at this point. Who knows? Uh, Kylie, we are... We Okay, Kylie, let's play... Can you pull up a box office for Joaquin Phoenix? That'll be our game. We'll, pull, we'll, we'll, we'll do the top ten for this. Um, while I do that, hey, Josh. Yeah. Guess what the number one film by popularity of Amy Adams is on Letterboxd. Arrival. It is. It's also Jeremy Renner's number one. Well, and Jeremy yeah. Jeremy Renner was in Endgame. Yeah, but Arrival. Yeah, Arrival has three hundred and fifty-seven k watches. Uh huh. And Endgame only had two fifty something. Yeah, we don't watch superhero films on Letterbox. We don't watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't log it twice. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. Um, there he is. Wow, Brian Tyler Henry's in this film. Tyree Henry? Which what one? did I say? Tyler. What oh. film? Who's in what? Joker. I, I did not notice if he was. According to Box Office Mojo. Oh, he was. He has a very small part. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Josh. Top ten. Uh, so, I want you to know, Brother Bear is not counted. It's in gray. Okay, perfect. Okay. It would have been number seven. I'm going to say... Voice. I'm going to say that Joker's already here. Six. I'm going to say that Gladiator is here. Number two. I'm going to say that... Oh man, what movies is he in that are like really, like really? Okay. Oh, sorry. Do you want adjusted for your ticket inflation? No, no. Let's just do raw, raw box office numbers. Uh-huh. It's kind of interesting. Gladiator's two. Yeah. Um, Gladiator's also two adjusted for ticket inflation. Okay, there we go. Joker seven when adjusted oh, for okay. ticket inflation. Oh, okay. All right. Um. Okay. Uh, is there a PTA on here? Did, did one of those break big? So, are you asking, is Inherent Vice or The Master on here? <laughs> yes. No. Okay, great. Um, uh, 
Man, I'm trying to think of what Joaquin did. Walk the Line. Number three. Okay. Um, it pisses me off so much that you haven't gotten number one yet. <laughs> no, don't look. <laughs> I don't know what... I, okay, I'm just, is her here? Number ten. Okay. <laughs> well, you took Brother Bear away from me. I was gonna... Yeah, his number ten with 25 million. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, um... Joaquin's here for an artistic time, not for a good time. <laughs> okay, um, man, what am I missing? What am I missing? <laughs> okay, 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 signs. Number one. Oh, no! Village. Number four. Okay, what, what, how many do I got left? You have five, you have... Seven, you have eight, you have nine. Five, seven, eight, nine. All right. Um, I'll let you know. I don't know one of these films. <laughs> All right. So and the other one we talked about, but not in the context of Joaquin. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to need some hints. I'm going to need some hints here. Here we go. Josh, what's the greatest collaboration we need in Matrix 4? Uh, Keanu and Joaquin Parenthood? <laughs> Number five. What? A hundred thousand. Or a hundred million. <laughs> I like that this is a new running bit. You're like, yeah, movies make thousands of dollars. That's how this industry survives. Um, so you talked about this film. It's by a director who you think should have more attention. Um, we talked about him recently. Okay. I mean, there's so many of those. James Gray? Is there a James Gray on here? Um, we Own the Night? Number nine with 28 million. What are we doing, everybody? M. Night Shyamalan was his real moneymaker. What are we doing? Um. Okay. Um. I don't know, Josh. I. I'm not describe this film. It might be a snuff film. It might be about snuff films. What? Somebody dies? I don't. Probably not in real life. Is it the weird documentary he made? No, it's not. I'm still here. Okay. Um, it's star. It's by a director who's. T- we talked about two his two of his films, three of his films on this episode. Josh, we talked about three of his films on this episode. And we never brought up Walking Phoenix being in any of them. He is only in one of them, as far as I know. Who? I don't remember what we talked about. It's so long ago. <laughs> Okay, gotta give me some more hints. He's not good. He used to be like a window dresser. He might have used to be in fashion before he became a director. And his films show it. <laughs> Josh is looking into my soul. I don't know who this is. Who is it? Schumacher. Oh gosh, we talked about Schumacher on this episode. Yeah, we talked oh. about we talked about the two Batmans. What? What? And this film. What? Oh gosh. <laughs> what walking <gasps> Schumacher crossover is there? I don't know what this film is. The connective tissue is another actor. Okay. Who I like. <gasps> Keanu. <laughs> no, a different one. Oh, um, I don't know. I have. T- He's got two. I have two pillowcases. Nick Cage and Joaquin Phoenix are in a movie together? It's directed by Joel. Is it, is it 8 millimeter? It is! Oh, we got there. We got there. We got to 8 millimeter, everybody. It's 8 millimeter. All right. 
Apple story. Oh, people are walking up that trail up there. That's why he's barking. Ugh. I don't know why he stands at that door. He can get out there by going through that door. Why? He's a lazy baby. All right, and now you need number seven. Okay. I'm going to click on it, and I'm just going to give you some surrounding information. Okay, great, okay. Ooh. This lead, looking at the picture leads me to believe it might be about 9-11. Not sure, though. World Trade Center? No. I don't know if you're using that. Not more than one Nick Cage crossover. 2004. Okay. Directed by Jay Russell. Don't know who that is. Um, actors. Joaquin Phoenix. John Travolta. Billy Burke. Oh, it's, um, is this Ladder 49? Yeah, is that about, is that about No, it's about firefighters. Well, Um, they were there during 9-11. Fair, but it's not specifically there. It's like, it's kind of like a backdraft remake. What? Yes. (laughs) With 100 million. Fair enough. All right. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, If you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you, you can do so at friendofriendpodcast.squarespace.com. Whoa, it's number three for fire slash firefighters. Ah, coming soon on the uh, fighting with fire. What's the John Cena one called? It's not called the hot ones, (laughs) which I think it should be Yes. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Fighting fire with fire, fire enemies. John Cena. Firefighter. Can't fire me? Playing with fire. Playing with fire. My answer's much better. <laughs> the hot one. Yeah, you, you are right. Because it's got John Leguizamo, so it clearly needs to be the hot one. Also, ones. I got Keegan Michael Key. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes with a five star review or any star review. That helps us get more listeners. As well as hit that subscribe button. Ah, the tinfoil. It protects us from the aliens. <laughs> Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Duck, Kylie AC, <laughs> Darby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Did I miss Tumblr? Yeah. Ducks Watch Together. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.